Jesus, your name is above every name. Your name is beautiful and powerful. And that's why we come together to worship you, because you are like no other. You are our Lord and our God. We love you. Thank you for all you do and have done and will do. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Please take a communication card and complete it at the end of the message this morning. I'm going to give you a word to put into your next steps. We're in the middle of a series called Fiercely Present. Fiercely Present. And this morning we're going to talk about being unplugged and reset. Unplugged and reset. A number of years ago on Thanksgiving morning, we woke up and Mary said, I've got a migraine, you're going to have to help with dinner. It's like, okay, so what do you want me to do? She said, why don't you start off, peel the potatoes. She failed to tell me not to put them into the garbage disposal. Rotor-rooter Thanksgiving. They came and they unplugged us and reset us so that we could have Thanksgiving dinner. And the whole series of being fiercely present is about intentional, intense habits that we develop so that we can be present with God, abiding in Christ, uh, engaging the Bible, prayer and fasting. All these things are going to help us to be fiercely present with God. And I'm going to talk today about a practice an atomic practice that will help unplug us and then reset us in relationship with God and other people. But there, before I get to that, I've got to tell you, there's a, there's a barrier to that. There's a problem that all of us have, and it's called the Midwestern work ethic. Let me define that, or this is basically a definition off of a dictionary. It's an unwavering, pragmatic, and dogmatic belief that hard work and perseverance rooted in quiet humility pays off in the long run. Any amens on that? <laughs> you know, we were all kind of raised with that. It was never stated. It was kind of below the waterline of what we were taught to believe. But the problem is that life is lived above the waterline and below the waterline. Above the waterline is our work, that's our doing, and the Midwestern uh, work ethic has to do about doing. You do and do and do, of course, with humility, and then you're okay. But we also know from Scripture and just from human experience that there's stuff below the waterline, and that has to do with being. That has to do with filling ourselves so that we aren't tipped over by all the work that we do. And so the, the Midwest work ethic has scared us, made us scared to rest. We're afraid to rest. You see, it's been defined for us that work is worth. Work is worth. If you work, 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 then you have high value, value, value. You're worth something. And yet the scriptures would say, no, that's not really the whole story. Work is good, 
but there's more to it than that, that we're scared to rest, and it's that FOMO. You know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. You know, we're going to miss out on, oh man, it's a dry day, rain's coming, we better get out there because we're going to miss out. Or we're going to miss out on this opportunity. We've got to keep going, going, going. We've got to just keep moving because we're afraid that we will miss out. But here's the truth. We were created to work. You know, seven days of creation in Genesis, it says God worked six days. And every, every day he said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. It's very good. And then he rested. We were also created to rest. See, we were made in God's image. And looking at the creation order, the last day of creation is, 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 is as important as the first. They all come together. Rest is so important. Genesis 2, 2 through 5. This is the story. The seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day. And made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And so the word holy, the the word holy means set apart. It means unique. It was a special day. It was like any other day. And so there were six days where work happened, but then there's this one unique day, a holy day, where work did not happen. And the word Sabbath that we're going to read in the next, next passage comes from the Hebrew word Shabbath. That's why we call it Sabbath, okay? And uh, that word means rest or cessation or stop. Stop. The impact of that Hebrew word is stop. And so in Exodus chapter 20, uh, many... Many years after the Genesis passage, Moses is given the Ten Commandments, and this is the third commandment. It says, remember the stop day. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, unique, set apart, unlike any other. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a stop to the Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female slave, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the stop day, the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. So the Sabbath was more than a day off. It wasn't like... Okay, now we're going to mow the lawn, we're going to paint the shed, we're going to do this and that and the other, we're going to vacuum the living room and clean the carpets, and it's springtime, we're going to go plant the flowers. And, you know, that was not the Sabbath. That was not in their idea. It was more than a day off. It was a day intended to be a blessing to God and a blessing to other people. Do you get that? That it wasn't about activities, it was about relationships. Relationship with God, relationship with other people. It was a communal day, not an individual day. It was a day of disconnecting from work and reconnecting with God and with other people. It was unplugged from work and reset with God and others. Now, in Jesus' day, 
the Sabbath had become a religious system. In fact, they had a lot of rules. It's written in some of the ancient books that the Hebrews have handed down through the years. Things you could not do on the Sabbath. And a long list. And Jesus came and he violated it. Can you believe that? In fact, as you read through the New Testament, you'll find over and over again, Jesus kind of gets in trouble because he broke the Sabbath. He violated the Sabbath. He healed on the Sabbath. He, he broke bread on the Sabbath. And one time, he, they got really upset with him because he broke some of their eating habits on the Sabbath. And they challenged him. And after the challenge, this is what he said in Mark chapter 2. He said to them, the Sabbath, the stop, was made for man, not man for the stop. In other words, this thing of stopping, it's for you. It's for you. It's for your benefit. It's for your good. It's how you're wired. The creator, in creating who you are, he made you for stop. We're not meant to be continuous doings. We're meant to be human beings. We're meant to be children of God. And he said, the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Well, when he said this, you can read on in Mark 2 if you want. They fell apart. It's like, oh, they just completely came undone when he said, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, because they thought that the Sabbath was the Lord of man, that the Sabbath was out there for you to do. And he says, no, 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 you got it all wrong. The Sabbath is for you. So why the Sabbath to begin with in Genesis was like God tired? Uh, Was he lazy? That's what Midwesterners would think, don't you think? Oh, God was just lazy that day. The answer is no, it was neither of those. He was joyful. He was totally joyful. Look at what was created in six days. He was able to enjoy that. It's like, wow. Ah. Didn't I do good? That's what God's saying. It's a day of great joy. You see, the Sabbath is a day to celebrate the things that bring you joy. Think about that. The Sabbath is a day to celebrate things that bring you joy. Before the Bible talks about love and forgiveness, it talks about work and rest and joy. That's what God is here for, for our joy. One of the things that brings me the greatest joy is when I contemplate and think about what God has done for me and how as a college student I intersected his life and how he turned me right side up and how he put me on a path that has been amazing. So wonderful, so joyful. I get joy when I think about how he's changed my wife's life and my children. When I see our grandchildren that have early on made commitments to say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be like him. Incredible joy. I think about, so who would I be without Jesus? Where would I be? What would I be without his love, his atoning sacrifice on the cross, his continuous presence it with me through the ups and the downs of life. He's there. 
He will never leave me because I am his. And that's why I want to come every week to this gathering for an hour and to remember that, to celebrate that. I come, I, at some point, usually every week, not every week, I find myself with the music and what's going on, just closing my eyes and lifting my hands and singing and just thinking of the joy of that beautiful name, that powerful name, that name of Jesus. It doesn't always happen every week, but you know what? I show up every week hoping to be reset in my relationship with God in some way. Wow, it's an atomic habit. Just your coming once a week and saying, I really need to be reset. God, I need to be unplugged and reset, so here I am. Just showing up, I think, is part of God's design for stop, rest. See me, see other people. See, the Sabbath is more than just a day, though. It's a way of being in the world. When Sabbath becomes a part of our rhythm of life, there's a spirit of restfulness that comes from abiding in him and knowing he's there whether I feel him or not. Regardless of where my emotions are, I know he's there. And it's okay with him if I scream and cry and I'm mad at him. He's okay. But he's there. He's there to love me and to accept me. It's a way of being in the world. And having Sabbath habits in our lives keep us from anxiety and stress that drive joy totally away. I have friends who literally take the Sabbath as New Testament Christians as like, okay, I need to set aside 24 hours a day, a week. And I'll start Friday night at sundown. I'll go to Saturday night at sundown. And during that time, I'm not going to do any work. In fact, we're going to plan activities that bring us joy. And I respect those folks. They're, they're able to do that. I'm not. I've got to incorporate, incorporate the idea of Sabbath throughout the week. I haven't found that I can just take a day. Now, I say that to say that when I think about Sabbath and taking a day, I think of football Saturdays here in Lincoln where the radio's on early in the morning, listening to the commentators, family from Omaha comes, family from Lincoln comes, friends come, we have great food, we have great conversation, it's a time of joyfulness, we go to the football game, which in recent time has not been yet so joyful, <laughs> but that would be a Sabbath, see that was a, that's a unique day, that's set apart, connecting with other people, is God a part of that, well yeah, fourth and one on the three yard line, Lord help them to get it. It's part of it. Uh, But, you see, we need those rhythms in life. We need to have times where, where we are joyful. It's a way of being in the world. And I wonder, this is what I wonder as I dole this out to you this morning, is can we forget the prevailing notions of Sabbath that are antiquated and legalistic 
And I would say that 24-hour day from Sunday or Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, if you can do it, go for it. But if you can't, don't have an all-or-nothing point of view. Can we have an idea of Sabbath practices that we can see with new eyes today? In your program, page four, I have four verses of Scripture that talk about the freedom we have as New Testament believers to not have the Sabbath as a rule that everybody has to follow. And I find those verses to be very liberating, and I commend them to you for your study. A number of years ago, I was in Chicago, and there was a speaker at a conference. His name is Pete Scazzaro, and he started talking about the Sabbath. And I'm thinking, oh, no, more guilt. Oh, no, I can't do this. Oh, please, why did I come to this seminar? <laughs> You've probably been there. You might feel that way this morning. And, uh, <laughs> and he said, guys, he's from New York, and we were in Chicago. He said, think of Sabbath as a snow day. Well, everybody except parents with kids in school are going, yes. The others are going, oh, no. Got to find out how to take care of these kids. But think of it as a child. When you were a child, and it's like, it's a snow day. Wow. That was a day with no shoulds and no have-tos. That was a day of freedom and joy. Connecting with your friends. Can we go over to so-and-so's house? Can they come over here? What are we going to eat today, Mom? Dad? What's going on? That that was a day of joy. And what if there were moments like that in your week that, that could bring that kind of joy to the table, that kind of freedom, that kind of excitement? And God wants that because we serve a God who desires unimaginable joy and delight for his creation on a weekly basis. Not just a two-week vacation in Hawaii. Someone between services came up and hugged me and said, just got back from two weeks in Hawaii. It's like, yes, so glad you could go. So sorry I couldn't, you know. Uh, It's more than that. That counts. That counts, but don't... God wants more than just two weeks of our year of some vacation. That's great. Take it. Do it. But on a weekly basis, he has joy and delight that he wants us to live in. And I'm going to share in a moment four four atomic Sabbath practices that I think will be helpful for you to kind of say, how could I put these into my week? Before I do that, I want to go to what Jesus said and Matthew chapter 11, page 977, in the New Bible in front of you. And it says this. These are the words of Jesus. Listen to this. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Come to me, all of you who are plugged up. You're weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will reset you. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Let me teach you how to do this. Let me teach you how to do this this week. 
Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. I'm not going to beat you to death because you did it wrong. No, I'm going to help you figure out how to do this right. How to have rest for your souls. And you will find, I am gentle and humble in heart, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I want to say this, that if you intend to be a disciple of Jesus, you've got with Jesus to figure out how to put rest, Sabbath, stop into your life. Just one of the things we've got to figure out how to do. And I kind of think it's going to look different for everybody. But I have four general categories I want you to think about. And you are going to love the first one. The first first atomic Sabbath practice that's simple but difficult is sleep. Sleep. Psalm 127, 1 and 2 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It's vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of anxious labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Wow. We have stories of Jesus, and one significant story was they were out on a boating thing across the lake, and the storms come up, and they go to find Jesus. They're kind of scared. And what's he doing? He's sleeping. (laughs) The disciples go, really? Really, Jesus? You're sleeping? And yeah, a a guy that a lot of us, some of us here read, Dallas Willard, he's not for everybody. If you want to start reading him, he has a book called Hearing God. Amazing, amazing book. Uh, He said Jesus was the most relaxed person that ever lived on the earth. And I think that's true. You just read through the New Testament. Jesus just kind of relaxed. He got a little stirred up over some things. But generally, he was just relaxed. This guy, the author, Dallas Willard, I was told, I was at a retreat last week, and I was told this. I haven't been able to document it. He's dead, so you can't ask him. And so uh, he did a retreat, and everybody came for the retreat, And he said, okay, here's the first thing we're going to do at this retreat. I'm going to send you out to sleep until you can sleep no more. Wow. Anybody want to go to that retreat? (laughs) Especially people with small children. Oh, yeah, sign me up. Sleep until you can sleep no more. You know, one of the ways we get plugged up is lack of sleep. We... And I'm grateful at my age that I have a gift of sleep. It's the spiritual gift you want at my age. I have friends that just can't sleep. They wake up at 2 a.m., awake for three hours, and they sleep for an hour, and then it's like, oh, so tired. Sleep is such a gift. Sleep is so important in our lives. And maybe this week, You need to look at your life and say, you know what? I need to obey God and let Jesus be Lord of my life. I'm going to sleep. Wow. That's not heresy. That's the gospel. 
That's the good news. God wants you to sleep. Wow, can I go on? I mean, there are more blessings here. The second is reconnect. Now, Tim, in his previous three talks, has talked about something. I wouldn't say it's ad nauseum, Tim, but it's almost. <laughs> called the airplane mode. You know what that is <laughs> on your phone? That you, you go into the airplane mode, and that means you disconnect from texts and phone calls and all that for the purpose of seeking God and being with other people. And I'm all for that. But what is the airplane mode? What does it mean to disconnect? It's an act of faith. It's an act of faith to say, God, because of who you are, I'm not going to miss anything here. I don't have to be slaving all the time. I don't have to be working all the time. I don't have to be on call all the time. By faith, I'm going to trust you. God, by faith, I know the 10 o'clock news will go on without me. (laughs) By faith. It doesn't need me. And you know what? I don't need it either. I'm going to disconnect. So maybe there would be some things you would want to disconnect with this week. Like, what am I going to do? How am I going to disconnect this week? What am I going to stop doing and say no to? What shoulds and have tos do I need to say no, no? You see, an act of faith says, I believe that obeying God, walking with Jesus, I'll have more rather than less. There'll be more for me rather than less for me. That I'll have more being in my life with less doing. And I'll have more joy and more delight. Disconnect. Then the third is to reconnect. Reconnect. Reconnect with God and reconnect with other people. I've, always, I've already told you one of my Sabbath, atomic Sabbath habits is showing up here to reconnect with God. Because... I really don't find myself in the middle of the living room raising my hands and singing to God. But you know what? That helps me connect with him. And the music and the worship and messages help me to, to remember, to reconnect. Go, oh, yeah, that's who I am or that's who I need to be this week, that I reconnect with God. And it's going to look different for different people. For some people, reconnecting with God might involve music, art, exercise, just silence and solitude, all kinds of ways to reconnect with God. And you've got to figure out, how can I reconnect? How do I reconnect with God? We have a small group that meets on Wednesday night that we canceled this week. It's a bunch of old people who don't like getting out on the ice. Yeah, right, I'm one of them. Kay's one of them. And uh, so we canceled. And that was disappointing because I was looking forward to reconnecting with these people. That's part of Sabbath, a Sabbath practice. And what about reconnecting with others? I'm not talking about a business appointment. I'm not talking about a discipleship appointment. I'm saying reconnect with no agenda. 
Find a way to reconnect with people around food and drink and just enjoy being together. Maybe play games, watch a game, go to a game. Do whatever you want to do together, connecting, reconnecting with people. That's what God has for us. Isn't that wonderful? That God loves it when we do that. And then the last one is celebrate. To have something to look forward to. And you know, we're not, we're not really very good at this. Especially with that Midwestern work ethic that haunts us. Celebrate. You know, it's easy to always look forward to the worst instead of the best. And think, oh, the bottom is going to drop out. i got to work harder rather than to say, wow, wow, look at what God has done. Let's celebrate. So how will you bring celebration into your life this week? What is there something you will look forward to that is a, a place of celebration? And for me, the past few years, one of those things has been the chili feed. You know, I come with my pocket full of antacids, and I eat the chili and enjoy the fellowship, and usually there's some speaker, and this year Jim Presnell is a fabulous man and an excellent speaker, and so I'm really looking forward to that. And if Brent says they need more chili, I'll bring a pot of chili, and Mary will make it. And so so anyway, that's... You know, that's something to look forward to. Oh, Friday night. Friday night, yeah. Got to watch what I eat Friday during the day because I want to pick out on Friday night on chili and, so let, and cinnamon rolls. So let's, let's do that thing. Celebrate. We got to figure out ways to celebrate. And uh, looking at the Old Testament, I didn't share this in the first service because Brent, Brent went too long on his little story about the Bibles. So I'll tell you this. In the, Old, in, the Old, in the Old Testament, there were seven feasts through the year that the Jewish people were to take off work and go do a feast. Three of those feasts were campouts. You had to travel to a different place with your family and camp out. And great food and great celebration and fun. And there was worshiping God. And it was just a great time. So I added that up. So if you took the seven weeks of feasts, that'd be 42, and then you take 52 Sabbaths, and some of those feasts covered Sabbaths, I, I added up, you can check my math, but there were 87 days a year, full days a year, that they were supposed to stop. 87 days a year, it's like, stop, reconnect with God. Reconnect with other people. Stop. That was 24% of their life. Wow. Who wouldn't want to be a Jew, right? I mean, it's like, yeah, I'm in. Uh, And Jesus offers us something even better. Because he said, 365. That can be you every day. And you just add Sabbath into that. And so on your card, you can write the word stop. And you'll be prayed for every day in addition to other prayer requests that you might have. Stop. And it it will take you time to figure out what what, 
what Sabbath practices really fit me? Uh, You'll have to prepare and think in advance and think each time that, that, that it's free of the shoulds and have, have-tos that we carry around, a time to sleep and disconnect and reconnect and celebrate. And if you can do that in one day, great, but do it in small pieces. And so let me tell you the benefits of doing this. Here are the benefits. Less anxiety and more peace. Less weariness and more energy. Less irritability and more joy. Less blur and more clarity. Less dullness and more creativity. Less of you and more of God. And Jesus said, My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We're going to take the offering in just a minute. Well, immediately, as you can tell. And uh, what I want you to do is just to lean back, listen to this, to just breathe, to just take a deep breath and then release it. And to say, God, how can I stop so that I can experience all you made me to be? Let's receive our offering.